0: This podcast is about spoilers and discussion. It's also about spooky stuff. You know, any film that we talk about here, we recommend you see in advance. You've been warned. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. What an excellent day for
1: an exorcism. Horror. There is no shortage of monsters to haunt our dreams. Horror. You got right red on you. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Horror. Alive. Oh,
0: it's alive. Groovy.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another brand new episode of Oh, the Horror. It's a horror movie podcast where we take a look at classic and modern horror films from an expert and a newcomer's perspective. I'm the newcomer, Steve Allman. And I'm the expert, Rob Holmes. And today we have a slapstick comedy classic from the master of horror himself. Mother of Tears, directed by Dario Argento. Uh, wow, it's dude! A Slapstick, comedy, romantic classic. comedy. Oh yes, <laughs> I, I I couldn't think of any better headline. We're now a comedy podcast because I don't even know what the fuck this movie is. Uh, apparently, we we're doing a comedy podcast now, not a horror comedy. Uh, oh my god, this fucking movie, dude.
0: Dude, this movie, um, this movie is like if um. You know what I think Dario Argento was doing? He was channeling Tommy Wiseau to make his horror version of The Room because that's essentially what this film is.
1: I feel like this was a horrid Buffy the Vampire Slayer fever dream.
0: Dude, don't even don't, don't even put Buffy the Vampire Slayer in the same like realm as this. This isn't even this oh, this no, would no. be like, Oh my god. D- no,
1: is, th- like all of the worst ass possible evocations of that show but like nothing nothing against Buffy the Vampire Slayer I mean that as in the utmost respects but I I, 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 I know what you mean yeah I know what you mean this this film oh where to begin um um so like uh, this this movie it rounds out the uh the three mothers trilogy spanning decades now starting with uh uh Oh my god, Spiria Suspiria, in and Inferno, and then this one, Mother of Tears. Uh, released in 2007, took him quite a long time to round out this trilogy. What has he done in between uh, Inferno and this? Like, uh, well, so Argento, What's that
0: body of work looking like? I mean, it, it's not bad. Argento's body of work in between all of it was, was pretty solid. So we're looking at like Tenebre in 1982, which I think Tenebre is a solid film. Uh, when we start getting further into it, we have Phenomena, which starred Jennifer Connelly, and that was in 1985. That was about a girl, a uh, psychic girl who could talk to bugs. Um, or she had telekinesis, or no, yeah, it was a psychokinesis, and she could talk to bugs. Um, then he gets into, oh, let's see, uh, opera in 1987, I think opera is pretty cool, it has a great soundtrack, it has a lot of gore, but there are some issues with it as far as pacing, and it does feel a little bit off. You do see him start to slip from what he was doing in the beginning. Now, he also wrote uh, Lumberto Baba's Demons 1 and 2, which are essentially the same movie, but the second one is just a much more violent version of the first one, with crazier effects and everything going on there. After that. He wrote Demons 3, which was changed to The Church because uh, there was a lot of issues on why that ended up changing. Joe Bob Briggs actually talks about that on um, The Last Drive-In, which was on Shudder. Which, by the way, dude, that was amazing. It was impossible to watch for the first few hours because it went out, but it was an amazing event. Um, and he talked about that a little bit of the history of Demons. So you can find that on YouTube if you didn't check that out. Uh, it's really, really interesting stuff. Let's see, then Argento directed Trauma in 93, which is okay. The Stendhal Syndrome, which was released in the USA under the Trauma banner, out of all things. Okay, so quite a few many,
1: many, many movies. Yeah, he had a lot going on,
0: but then when we hit the 90s, like the late 90s is where things really start to fall apart, and the quality of film isn't there anymore. So you see he's going into more digital, and he's going away from this stylistic approach that he's had in his... The colorful approach kind of died out um, in the late 80s, and he went more with a grittier approach. And then he went more with this digital look that, you know, in the way The Room has this, hey, it's produced, but it looks like it's a TV movie. Um, mm. or, because or,
1: when, I, when I started to see this movie, I, I can clearly see that Argento is following trends heavily in horror movies now at least from what was coming up in in its day in 2007 rather than f- making or setting trends for himself. He seems to he seems to be just emulating what's popular and then just trying to put his own spin on it rather than actually make something that's, you know, of substance. And he seems to be on that downward slope throughout the 90s and into this movie.
0: Right, so there's the, the his version of Phantom of the Opera in 98 and then um Let's see. After that, Giallo with which had uh, Adrian Brody in it as the ty- as the lead character, and it just it wasn't it just wasn't a good movie at all. Dracula 3D came out after that with Rutger Hauer. Just watch the trailer for that, and the production values alone, it's just you're wondering what he was thinking. And in this movie in particular, I mean, let's really delve into to Mother of Tears. This movie. Lacks any of the style that you would expect from the Three Mothers trilogy. The Three Mothers trilogy is meant to be very dreamlike, very colorful, very haunting in its tone and its music and its scope and just weird and strange. And it's not everyone's cup of tea and that's totally fine, but it's so artful that there's something to always be able to respect in it. Is it the best acting in the world? No. But sometimes you can reason with that based on the way that it's so dreamlike. In this movie, it has no real value to it whatsoever. The script is nonsensical and the delivery is god-awful. I mean, the delivery makes no sense. The lines are delivered almost in the same way as Suspiria, where it's just dump all this exposition everywhere. Except this time, there's no extra layers to it it's just kind of like yep this is what we're doing um
1: if you told me that this movie was directed by the same guy that directed Suspiria and our Inferno I'd say that you were lying because this film actually looks ugly this is an ugly movie to watch
0: it's a very ugly movie to watch and it it's it looks like it was done by a first-time director there's so many issues with this movie some of the gore effects are cool in the beginning and, and when you see him you're only, like oh only
1: in a neat way I was just like oh okay like I'm finally seeing something that like you might have put some time into right um, the, the
0: mouth ripper part in the beginning where it just rips the mouth I'm like that's really vile and gross but it didn't have that 1970s look to it it didn't have that colorful artful look to it it seems like they, they went to color a little bit towards the end of it but otherwise this movie is very flat and it's in shadow a lot of the time and it is just really goofy and and just not good I mean you have that that baboon going around in the beginning or that monkey no, just going around. For seemingly
1: around. no reason again, like, logic be damned but, like, you just gotta throw in a monkey? When
0: I I started reading through, um, like, the entire storyline, like, after I watch the movie I can piece it together pretty well, but, you know, I'll look through the, the actual plot line of it, and as I'm reading the plot line there's so much more to it. And when you read that, you're like, oh, okay, this makes sense on how everybody's related and how everyone ties together. But when you watch this movie, it is nonsensical. It is completely... I can piece together Suspiria. I can piece together Inferno. And I just like it anyway, because with that dreamlike state, you can treat it like that type of movie. This movie is like, yes, this takes place in the real world. Oh, by the way, I'm a ghost that looks like I came out of the movie Troll 2 or something. Or like... Uh, Professor Nobi in Evil Dead 2, except worse, and flying around, appearing and disappearing throughout the movie. Like, what the hell was that? By the way, oh and God that was...
1: and God help this movie's uh, CGI effect.
0: Oh man, no, the CGI is god awful. And by the way, uh, the woman who played that is Asi Argento's mother. She also was, I think, the co-writer for Suspiria, and uh, wrote an, a, a rig- wrote a version of this film that never saw the light of day. Like, this movie was supposed to be made back in 1984. Then it was supposed to be made in the, uh, I think, maybe late 90s and then early 2000s again. It took five writers to make this script. I don't know what was going on with them. This is not a good movie. It is not Argento. I mean, it it certainly didn't stop him from
1: making a million movies along the way. No, it didn't. But some of those are really good films. along the way
0: with his career. Yeah, and I mean, you watch his career kind of like... The second digital comes into play and the second CG can be used, it looked like he just went with it. And this has the same budget. It's a three and a half million dollar budget, where Inferno, I think, was a three million or Suspiria was around three million. Granted, with inflation things are completely different.
1: Yeah. An eighties three million goes a lot farther than a, you know, a two thousands $3 three million. And I
0: totally understand that, but you're not buying film stock. You can go digital, you can get stuff done on, on a basic computer now, which before you would have to take it in to get processed and all that stuff. I, Costs, I feel like it would maybe potentially equal out, but the fact that he's going so heavily with CG in some of these moments, especially like in the Spear scene um, and a couple of others, it's just. It looks really awful. And then there's just p- the acting. The acting is atrocious. The set pieces don't make sense.
1: The the transitionary, like, scene to scene, I don't even think if I can imagine. Dude, she just like, goes place to place, and you don't know why it's, it's she's there. It's literally place she to place. I don't even up. know if there's an establishing shot in most of these transitions from scene to scene. It's absolutely mind-bogglingly disorienting. And characters are introduced and then left and then picked up back again for seemingly no reason or no real pacing to have done it's it's so i was like the worst part that i can say about this is that i was bored i was so bored to like eventually eventually i see a woman like toss a cabbage patch doll uh, off a bridge which was funny
0: well she slams she slams this baby down onto the the side of the bridge 1st here like well the And baby's it makes dead. a
1: hilarious thud like a A comical thud.
0: Well, it's just so over-the-top and and arbitrary for what it is, and just the the fact that...
1: That she's chucking this baby off a bridge in broad daylight for what you don't even know why. Well, you start realizing
0: that whatever is going on, and once the the mother has been released, because that's what happens in the beginning, is they find her urn, and they find her cloak, which gives her all this power, and they find all of it, and they send it over... Um, to the woman and you know what happens when you find something that belongs to the three mothers these things you know these uh, servants of theirs come out of nowhere and murder you except this time it was so over the top in the beginning and then Asia Argento is like our, our person who we're following and you're expecting her to be this really awesome badass character and she's really not she's just oh she's God. just she's there so,
1: she's the most boring.
0: And she's a white witch. We find that out. We find out that she has. she's not, you know, one of these evil witches. She can actually fight back. She has the ability to make herself invisible, I guess, which is really dumb. But
1: it's, it's so, and so poorly, poorly, poorly portrayed.
0: Oh, extremely poorly portrayed in this. It doesn't give any sort of feel. You could tell it was like, hey, we don't have a budget for this. And it's like, all right, cool, man. Use light. Remember how you guys used to do that? And it was really cool looking, even if the movie wasn't great. Because I know you weren't a fan of... Of Inferno but it looked it was a good looking movie
1: here's the thing like I there are creative aspects of both Inferno and Suspiria that are very admirable there are like creative uh, shortcuts that they use to portray different types of things to portray someone as invisible the way that they do it in this movie, like, the Invisible Man made a better impression. Dude, they already portrayed someone.
0: They, they portrayed uh, Mother Suspiriora, or Suspiriorum as invisible in Suspiria.
1: It's as if that they completely forgot all of the creative drive and inspiration that they had in their previous bodies of work. To just completely become lazy in the digital or whatever new age of filmmaking that they had, whether it's an exploitation of resources or being devoid of creativity. Uh, This is a huge fall from grace for uh, what Dario Argento has kind of. Dude, and and by the way, it's meant for horror. It's
0: extremely creepy as well that he has a. A scene with his daughter naked in it the shower scene where you see her topless for a second i'm like dude what that number one it didn't need to be in the movie at all there was no point for it whatsoever um uh, but why your daughter he does this stuff a lot with her and it's it, very it's clear
1: that, i mean it's been clear to me that argento's views on women have been like offensive at best and like you know pervasive and problematic at actual probably since suspiria i feel
0: like he's very much trying to live alfred hitchcock's life you know because hitchcock was the same way
1: yeah and i i very much like got those vibes in his early work and he has just been slowly reaffirming all of those suspicions of mine like even more so with this like it's really weird and messed up to think about what this guy prob how he probably sees women, and I don't like it at all.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I have a lot of problems. I just have a ton of problems with this movie in general. It's just so poorly done. When you see someone who has made something before, and in each one is so commendable in its own re- in its own respects, to see him not age with it well, and to people for people not to really step in and be like, hey, you know what, I think we should do on this, maybe kind of keep the themes the same, especially if it's, you know, part of this three mothers thing.
1: Yeah. And honestly, the gap in time framing from completing this trilogy, I have to have thought that, like, man, he must have fallen off in, like, the subsequent decade and a half that he wasn't, like, completing this trilogy or completing this third set of a film uh, trilogy because, like, man, this was... This is a tremendous step back in quality by comparison because you'd think that a filmmaker while still making the, the amount of movies that he does, like he was on a steady click of making movies, like almost one or two, even a year. Like it's an insane amount of films that he's made in between the eighties and nineties and the early two thousands. Yeah. Yeah he's uh, worked on a lot he... I mean he's
0: worked on a ton of stuff and it's just you know in, in this case I think this was something that I don't know if he knew you know it seems like the script went through a lot of different processes there's at least three different versions of the script you know over decades and this film is just I know some people really like it that's the thing I thought no one would like this movie but there are some people who really like the critics were genuinely split on it and I I don't understand why because to me it's just an embarrassment to a once amazing career.
1: Uh, yeah, it, I, it's uh, a lot of times that I can try to see the appeal. I could even see the appeal in Inferno, in Inferno as infuriating as it could have been. Uh, I, I can see how people could like that. And I just, I couldn't even muster enthusiasm for this. This is, it, it was awful. It was so, th- This is like probably one of my least favorite movies that we've done so far. This might be
0: what, I mean, this is definitely one of my least favorite horror films of all time, I would say. Of, of you know, a, a series that I like. I mean, there, granted, there are a ton of other movies that I've seen that are way worse than this. But being a follow-up to something, this is one of the worst sequels or, or parts of a trilogy I've ever seen in my entire life. Like, hands down, this is in my top three of that.
1: Well, for those curious about the potential praise that this movie would have gotten back in the day, briefly looking at Rotten Tomatoes, uh, a a couple of reviews are praising its visuals. Uh, Oh, my God. uh, What? In Mother of Tears, the latest installment in the Witch Trilogy that began three decades ago with Suspiria, an evacuated urn unleashes torrent among homicidal madness in Rome, visuals notwithstanding – uh, vibrant for fans of Argento's bloodletting to thrill the imaginative use of Pike's entrails and his daughter. What the hell? What? Yeah,
0: dude, it's weird. This, I, is, this, this is
1: bad. Yeah, Argento is admired for his voluptuous use of color and his opera, operatic settings. That's no. It, no. This well, is, no, no, he
0: is in the, in the past, but not now. In this case, look, this film is poorly conceived, poorly put together, the acting is just not there, you know, there there is no real character development, I don't care about anyone going through this film, uh, you could have refined this so much more, even just including the use of, of his color and some of the... The deaths, I mean, man, if you went practical effects with all of these deaths, it could have been a lot of fun. The opening one, I think, was mainly practical effects, and it looked pretty cool. There was stuff going there, but there's a style that needs to go with that. The lighting needs to be right. You just can't film this under, you know, uh, basic lighting and go, yep, nope, this is it. That's that's not going to look good. It's not going to give you anything to it. And there's more that could be done stylistically stylistically with a camera and just other elements. And I feel like he dropped the ball completely on this movie.
1: Yeah, this movie has the color palette of, like, a Saw film. Like, it's two shades, like, closer to an actual color palette than a Saw film. Like, outside of being drenched in green... Uh, th- this movie is just as ugly but the only uh, the
0: only cool moment one of the only cool moments was like when she sees the alchemist and he has that green lens and he looks through at her through that and you see, like, what's running through her. And I'm like, you know what, that's, you're putting in cool visual elements. Like, why wasn't this there the entire film, how it how it has always been? And if this is one of the most powerful of the witches, shouldn't it be more prominent than anything? Obviously, you're seeing people go crazy and kill each other in the streets and just, like, rape and murder and pillage and all this crazy shit that's going yeah. on. Why? And, you, and is... you see
1: inspirations of that, like. Briefly, because like in the credits, we're alluded to with all of these like baroque and masterwork paintings of like Satan and angels yes. and all of the these terrible hellscapes. credit
0: sequence. By the way, one of the worst credit sequences I've ever seen. It was again so very
1: very boring, very uh, boring
0: it, and very. It looked it just looked bad, man. It just looked like there was no care put into it.
1: But, like, when we see all these people chained up and, like, the fire and the naked woman and all this chaos ensuing, like, I see what they're going for and it's just so wrong and ill-conceived. It's not – I I like to think that, like, Argento seems to have a vision and he just can't – He he can, he seemingly can no longer articulate it with the people that he works with. Or he has very – he has a very – real struggle articulating and showing it or being an instrument to it now because it's it's almost incomprehensible now what he's trying to, like, really achieve with something like this because when he's adopting all of these film styles that are either of the time or some sort of, like, remix with what he tries to do, like, again, like, the way that he seemed to shoot that, uh, th- that uh like, occult scene with, like, everybody chained up and everything, it... it It was so bad, but in a weird way, I could kind of see the way that he could pace a scene like that because I'm trying to put it in the context of Suspiria and Inferno and all that stuff.
0: All right, well, let's, let's, real quick, and this is just a, a little thing. So, Stuart Gordon had the same type of scene in Dagon, right? And that was around 2000, I think, or 2001. Yes, it had that kind of cheesy look to it, even the whole film kind of has the same look as this film, but the difference is, Dagon is very good despite that fact. It's still a good story and it's entertaining, and like there is a cheesy element to it that way, but it's campy in a way that I actually enjoy. This film could have been something awesome even with the way it looked being as strange as it was but it wasn't a captivating enough story and there weren't enough amazing visual elements or even stylistic visual elements because you don't even need a big budget for that you just need creativity and that's been proven time and time and time again and it, it just wasn't there this time and when you have that many amazing voices that have come together and it just feels like they're phoning it in not even phoning it in it's painful to watch, and it's very—that's why I get very upset over this because it makes me extremely angry to see a film like this made with his seal of approval on it.
1: It's interesting because we, we we think of these like actors that never really fell off. Like like, obviously the biggest name in in Hollywood that's kind of like endured throughout the ages since the 70s has been like a Steven Spielberg or something like that, and he's kind of just been on this like skyrocketing trajectory of, like, he is Hollywood. He is modern filmmaking. And when we have these, like, classically renowned film directors from these golden eras of cinema, like Argento in the 70s and stuff like that, or even, uh... Oh, my goodness, the director of The Thing. Why am I blanking on his name? Carpenter, yes. He, like... Carpenter had, like, a big span of hits, like, again, throughout the 80s and 90s and even in the 70s. And, like... He made a couple of movies in the nineties and early two thousands that were like,
0: uh, not yeah, well no, you're received. you're a hundred percent correct on that. And like, and yeah. you're
1: like, okay, what are, what are we thinking about here? What are we doing with this? Honestly, uh, like, I think and- it was
0: I think it was going to digital filmmaking. When you look at where the line came, there seems to be a line in where the quality went down, and I think it's when everything went digital. They were used to shooting a certain way. And then the look changed and instead of trying to emulate, because when you look, their films look differently. Once they hit a certain time period in the late nineties, the way their stuff is filmed, they all kind of have this very digital or uh, maybe it's a, a, a very, um, made for TV look to them.
1: It's interesting because you'd think that that would not try, like even those directors of those storytellers wouldn't change their storytelling methodology based on a new type of film medium. I feel it's like some a, do,
0: though. I feel like some really do. They want to embrace something, or they want to. They feel like they want to be on the cutting edge. Like, honestly, if look at James Cameron with with 3D technology and Avatar and how much he's pumping into that in years and years. God just bless him. He, like, he's trying. He wants to, <laughs> he's make, really he wants to trying. make 3D screens where you don't need glasses because that's what he wants to do with it. So he's embracing a technology, and I feel like some of these other filmmakers especially horror ones who have tried to embrace the newer technology it hasn't worked out so well for them
1: no it has not at all and like i i would have just easily gone with like oh maybe they're just like getting old and maybe they just don't have what they had like before no i don't I, d- I'm, I honestly I, d-
0: like, I don't think that's it i think they i think there's amazing stuff that they can do but also because they're now legends of horror people won't tell them no maybe in the way that they used to or try and guide them in a a different direction as they used to so i think it was it was probably more of a collaborative effort in the beginning and people really developing stuff together and then once it got to a certain point and it wasn't it wasn't something they were saying like hey my feed my ego i mean it may have been but i don't think so in the case of in case of many of them i think that the people around them respect them and revere them so much for what they've done in the past that they don't think about you know the newer people coming into it like the younger generations that they don't think about How in the beginning it was a more of a collaborative effort, bringing other people in and and having to work with them and saying how are we going to get the best look for this, and now a lot of them are probably just saying oh yeah no absolutely whatever you say,
1: maybe I'm wrong but I think I feel like that's that's the thing a a million types of things can be done to make a single bad movie, or you know a single poor decision, but when you see trajectories of like some of these well revered directors that kind of fall off in a, in a weird way it's seemingly in the early 2000s when with like legacies of great or memorable films they kind of just change like that and it, it's it's a fascinating type of phenomenon where you know some people just you know get lost in the shuffle with all of these changes in the industry that they just can't seemingly keep up with i guess like, you said again, like, this movie took decades to make. And now in the era that he could make it, seemingly for on the cheap or on the ways that he could make it, it just wasn't there. And maybe it wasn't there to begin with.
0: And it, Well, it's interesting. No, I don't think – think I think it was there because if you look at – you know, he collaborated a little bit with Romero, right? And if you look at Romero's career, the first Dead trilogy is, is amazing, right? It's, it's a classic, timeless. But the second Dead trilogy, not so great. Like, Land of the Dead, I know there's a lot of people who love Land of the Dead, I think it's alright, and and Ozzy Argento's in that, which is cool, and it, it's it got some moments to it, but it's not as memorable as as the original one. And then, seeing after that Diary of the Dead, there was a lot of digital effects used in that, not as much practical stuff, and it just... It felt like a letdown and then I think survival of the dead was the one that was like a Hatfield McCoy thing
1: on an island or something I, I never yeah. saw it I But didn't... Bringing it yeah bring it back to Argento and you know the multitude of mistakes made here <laughs> um, is there anything that we could kind of bring this around to any positive spin that we can come to in the in the in the final <laughs> moments of the show where we're like is there anything redeeming it or is it I are mean we, look I just I lost think, time I think on it's a one?
0: I think it's a good. I think it's a good lesson in filmmaking, and I think it's a good lesson in just watching some of their hits and misses, seeing that you know they're not always going to hit the mark every single time, and and kind of analyzing this film and maybe seeing what went wrong with it. I think if you're really into film theory or you're really into filmmaking, and you really love the first two, watch this one and just see where it went wrong. And you know, if you're if you're making your first movie, um, don't do this. Don't, yeah, don't <laughs> like, make this, man. Don't make this movie this kind of has a feel like an amateur filmmaker making one of their first films. To me, it's a disappointment. Honestly, you know, I'm not a huge proponent of remakes, um, especially, you know, modern day remakes of stuff. I'm not fully against them, but I think in this case, yeah, man, remake this movie, get someone who who wants to make it like Suspiria or Inferno and, and finish off the trilogy in a way that would make fans all of the fans proud. I mean, there are some who who do really like this film, but come on. I mean, even they could admit it. it could be I mean, a lot the, better.
1: If the new remake of Suspiria it, it wishes to, you know, emulate the rest of the trilogy, like and this could and be the beginning if of the, if remaking this sets a trend for you know trilogy, yeah. that filmmaker to retake on that rest of the trilogy, I'd be game for it. I'm like, I,
0: I would be game for it as well. But I would also like to see a, ver- you know, because it doesn't seem like the remake of Suspiria is going to be the colorful version that we got um in in 77 but I would like to see Argento's original trilogy finished using his original techniques for um for Mother of Tears being redone and making it look like it was made in that time period so yeah I want to kind of see that as its own thing to add to the original trilogy and then I yeah of course I want to see the remake trilogy as well um But But yeah, yeah. so
1: I mean, all right. So rounding out my thoughts on this whole trilogy, I think Dario Argento for his time was pretty revolutionary. I I think he was, he had a wonderful sense and uh, for a cinematic eye and like an electrifying screen presence for his time. Uh, But outside of his time, he did not seem to adapt to them. Well, clearly, uh, Beginning in the '80s and slowly transitioning into the early 2000s, uh, he did not move with those times, or he did. His vision was not fully realized in, in the changing times that came with them. And I think that's a I bummer. Mean, I,
0: yeah, I would say in the '80s and the early '90s, there's definitely his his films do change, but I still think they are are very good in their own ways, and there are some that I really really enjoy. It's it's once he hits around 1998. So, like, past 20 years, things have not been, have not been so great.
1: Well, hopefully uh, we, can be, we can be remedied in the next few episodes with, uh, with a, a few better tastes in our mouths. What do we have for next week coming up? Well, now?
0: actually, we're, we're going to be doing uh, Peter Jackson's 1987 cult classic, Bad Taste.
1: Bad Taste by our good friend Peter Jackson. It's been a minute since we've revisited him.
0: Yeah, um, I think last time we did that was uh, Dead Alive. That was one of our, our earlier episodes.
1: Quite quite adventure that was, and hopefully, if it's anything along those lines, I'm gonna be I'm, I'm gonna be in for a good time. I'll say the very least there.
0: Oh yeah, bad bad taste is uh, expect a B movie. He made this over the course of four years, like on the weekends and stuff. Did all the special effects himself. Um, it's very very cheesy, but it shows what you can do really if you
1: you know what if, you, uh, if it if it's, if it's peak it. peter jackson i wouldn't have it any other way but, right yeah right. that I, is going yeah. to do it for us this week on Oh! the horrorcast feel free to check us out on twitter instagram facebook pretty much any other social media platform you could find rob has been doing an amazing job making sure that we get ourselves out there to you And let us know what you think of the show. Feel free to review us on iTunes or whatever platform that you see fit. We're pretty much downloadable anywhere that you can find, even on SoundCloud now. And uh, feel free to let us know with any suggestions you may have at oorthehorrorcast at gmail.com. And, And, yeah, uh,
0: you can uh, find us on our own personal stuff as well. You can find me on my Instagram at uh, holmesinvasion, and you can find
1: me at my Twitter at rwholmes83. And while I am taking a break from social media, you can find me across, across platform uh, at Steve Allman. Uh, so whenever I decide to make a return, I'll, uh, I'll be there. Yep.
0: Uh, but, yeah, thanks for listening, guys, and uh, we'll see you again next week.
1: All right. Thank you guys so much. We'll have a good one.
0: Horror. Look at me, Damien. It's all for you. Now, it is time to keep your appointment with the Wicker Man no more room in hell, the dead will walk here.